Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You can, you can actually see it when I raise the title. I've got like this massive vein in my neck that's about to explode. For the first time, Cultaholic Island is graced by a zebra, not the animal, the the the, the referee type zebra. Uh, NXT UK, former NXT UK referee Artemis joins us today. Artemis, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me on the podcast. You're very, very welcome to be here. There's um, There's been two C's in your life for the past couple of weeks that have that have changed things um the first one being covid because you've not been very well have you bless you oh no (laughs) i got hit really hard (laughs) so did you avoid it for when it was trendy and now when it's kind of not as cool did you get hit with it yeah you know what i avoided it for two years i traveled during the pandemic going from france to uk through all the airports all the travel everything avoided it and then got it in June, just twenty twenty two. Do you know what? Do you know when you got it, or how, or how you got it? I I do I do because since I'm not a full time referee anymore, I had to go back to my previous job, which is um, special needs teacher, and we had a cluster at work with sixteen people that got COVID. So. Ah, so that's <laughs> gonna, that would probably be it. We'll talk more about so what you're doing away from refereeing in a little bit but uh, i want to mention the other c that has been a life changer in your life and that is uh you have a cat now uh i've seen pictures oh, uh, of simone that have just lit my life yes. so i already had a cat but he was feeling really lonely so i thought i would adopt a new kitten and uh, so simone is now part of the family <laughs> so how has your previous cat taken to simone um not that well okay (laughs) because he's he's really shy he's like the sweetest cat but he doesn't know how to fight or anything and the new kitty is like full of energy and always jumps on him and wants to play fight so my other cat is mm, a bit grumpy and jealous at the moment (laughs) but i'm hoping it will it will improve (laughs) how um how how long have you had your previous cat uh a year yeah and it's funny because you it's a risk that you take when you put two cats together because because we've got a cat here ourselves and uh you do worry like oh are they lonely and uh, do they need other company but like with with our boy with pablo um i found that i crowned him one day hissing at his own reflection (laughs) and that made me think i don't think he wants another cat around (laughs) he hates himself more than anything else (laughs) 
But uh, I'm glad. That I look. I, I'm hoping that they settle in okay. Are they still? Are you like keeping them apart to until they they get around each other, or are they? Uh, are you just hoping that eventually it'll just click? Uh, I think it will click, and also the house luckily is quite big, and I live with my mom. I actually just bought a house with my mom. Um, so Simon uh, sleeps with my mom, and I sleep with my other cat. So they are apart during the night, and then during the day, my cat, my other cat, is. Um, outside and Simon is inside so they're not together that much they keep their distance then that's the main thing until they get on that's cool uh we, we, we whilst we are here of course to talk about cats because it's my favorite subject we're also here to talk about wrestling and uh, we're sending you onto a desert island Artemis wow. and uh, I, I know because the one thing we need after the last couple of years that we've had is more isolation uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Whilst you're on that island, uh, you're going to get to watch three wrestling matches to, to keep your ticket over. Uh, we're going to go through each match one by one as the interview goes on. But what would you like your first match to be? Okay, so my first match is actually going to be maybe the first wrestling match I watched. And that's when I fell madly in love with wrestling. It was uh, Lita and Trish in 2004 for the Women's Championship match on Raw. And it was just, I mean, I don't know. I just, I was just on the TV looking for something to watch. And I just um, saw this channel that had wrestling on. And I saw this match and I was like, oh my gosh, they're so cool. I like, I wanted to be Lita. Like she was so badass with the red hair, um, the, the entrance music, everything. She was just doing all the crazy stuff. I mean, I think she almost broke her back during that match. <laughs> oh, there's that bit where she dives outside the ring yeah. and it's like she yeah. folds inwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's horrible, that bit. Frightening. Was that your... Yeah. So you were channel hopping and was that the first time you saw wrestling then? Uh, maybe not the very first match, but I remember specifically that match being the one that made me want to do it. Right. So, I mean, with that one in particular... What was it about that one, do you think, that, that particular energy that captured you? Um, as I said, it was just like mainly Lita uh, being everything I liked, all the punk rock, badass women, and they just like, it was a hard hitting match. They were hitting all the big moves that you wouldn't necessarily see the women do at the time. Uh, like the superplex from the top rope, um, the moonsault and stuff. And I was like, okay. I, I want to do that. I want to learn how to do that. Because that's the special part, isn't it? It goes, is there's only a certain number of people, including yourself, that will watch wrestling and go, not only do I like watching it, I want to do it. Mm. I want to learn how they do that stuff. Um, at that point, where was where was Artemis in the world? What was your what was your trajectory? What were you looking to go and do? Had wrestling not come along? Um, so I was 14 at the time. So I was just at home and I was in secondary school at the time. And I actually wanted to be a professional drummer because I was playing drums at the time. <laughs> I was like, okay, I want to be in a, in a death metal band <laughs> and play drums. Nice. But then I saw wrestling, I was like, okay, now I want to be a wrestler. <laughs> who were who some of your, your, your drumming icons? Um, in the same way that Lita captured you as a wrestling fan. Who, which drummers caught your eye as, as, and inspired you to do that? Um, I guess the, the Slipknot drummer, that Joey, Joey Jordison, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
uh, like I struggle with names, so no, that's <laughs> okay. That's okay. Question about names, but mm. yeah, I think him. Like I was a big Slipknot fan. I mean, I still I still am, but like at the time, it was yeah, my favorite band. Do you remember the first drum kit that you bought? Uh, it was actually an electronic because I was living with my mum in a flat, so I couldn't really buy drums. So I bought just an electronic. So I had the pads and I was just playing on it. I was going to say, um, living with your mum in a flat with drums sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would not have made you very popular. What was, um, did, so did, did your mum buy you the drums or was it a purchase you made yourself at 14? Uh, no, I think at 14, I got my first job hmm. uh, doing like kind of secretary work for a friend of my dad's or something. And I got some money of it and I bought the kit with it. So it was the first purchase from your first job and it was the drums. Yes. What was the, the, what was one of the first songs that you learned to play the drums to? Um... Let me remember the name because I told you I really struggle with names. In, in your I, head, I, it was like this artifice is now playing it in her head. Just like. Yeah. Some basic stuff. I remember wanting to play um, like the White Stripes. Nice. That's a nice, catchy do, 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 do. Yeah. That one. Seven Nation Army. Is that the one? Yes, yeah, probably the one. And when I was 18, I did um, the opening of a motorbike shop playing drums with my friends. <laughs> How random is that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it was like maybe my second concert because like the first one was just the school uh, end of year uh, celebration. Um, and I played, what was it? Oh no, I can't remember the name. <laughs> you what? have to what? you have to play on the drums. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I can probably find the video somewhere. When I've I've got I'm, I'm 18, I've got red hair, I'm just playing drums. And, yeah. So were you in a band at this point, or was it just like you were a session drummer for lack of a, a better term? No, no, it was just with friends. And I don't know, some one of the guys had a friend that was opening a motorbike shop and was like, oh, do you want to play for the opening? Like, yeah. Okay, so I was never like, I was never a pro. I was probably really a really bad drummer, but I enjoyed it. So so on that day then, were you were you outside the, the motorcycle shop or were you inside near the- No, near we the... were inside. Yeah. Inside, surrounded by motorbikes. It was Nickelback. Ah, you there you That's go. That's it, that's the one. Nickelback, how you remind me. Yeah. What was what was the reaction to people coming into the motorbike shop to see you playing the see you playing the drums in the band doing Nickelback? I mean, they looked pretty happy. Yeah, they were okay yeah. with it. Yeah. Do you think I know that... Nickelback is controversial, but no, it was fine. <laughs> see, it, really... Why do you think why does Nickelback get such a kick in from people? Because I, I I like Nickelback. I'm yeah. gonna put that out there in, into the public. I like Nickelback. Yeah, I don't like all of their songs, no. but I, I like some of them. I don't know why there's so much hate for them. I don't know. So much Nickelback <laughs> Artemis. Terrible. But with was there any point where, obviously wrestling came along and that sort of captured your imagination more, but 
was there any point that you thought you came close to pursuing more drumming stuff full time? No, because uh, when I turned 18, I went to a training school and started wrestling and I couldn't do everything because I was going to uni. I was also working as a security officer to pay for uni. And then I had to choose basically between drums and wrestling because I was going to the gym as well. So I didn't have enough time for everything. And at that point, I was like, OK, I'm more interested in wrestling rather than drums. So I'm going to concentrate on that. Because I'm, I'm, I'm really an all or nothing type of person. So if I do something, I give it 100%. So, so you, I had to give some things up. You couldn't give drumming 100%. So therefore, yeah. we've got to... When was the last time you played the drums? I think it was probably that concert. <laughs> yeah? You haven't picked them up since? No. The, um, the security guard thing is interesting. Yeah. So how does, because you're going to the gym at this point. So obviously you're, you know, you, you're, you're in, in strong form. Like, so how did you come to work as a security officer? Uh, it was just because my dad had a bodyguard slash um, security officer's company. So right. when I turned 18, he was like, well, do you want to, do you want to do some extra work uh, for the company? And Yes. It was just something that I could fit in with uni because it was mainly concerts and festivals. So I could work evenings and weekends and go to uni during the week. So it was just perfect. So you were working festivals as a security officer then? Yeah. Um, anything, what was one of the, what's, what was one of the best parts of doing that job that you Well, had? you can see loads of cool concerts from oh, that, the very yeah. close, yeah. What was your favorite? um mm, 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 it's probably Indochine like it's uh it's a very famous French band and they were in a big stadium and that, that was a pretty cool one do you get to talk to them or hang out with them or is it just a case that you're just there just as crowd control and you can't um it depends where you are because sometimes you're backstage to basically protect them or prevent fans from from entering or stuff like that. And then you can get in contact with the, the bands. So sometimes you talk to them or sometimes you're just um, stage side and you just like, it's just crowd control and like break up fights if there's any, or if someone faints, you need to like remove them from the crowd. Um, it really depends where you are. What was one of, if you, off the top of your head, what was one of the, the, the toughest situations that you had working as a security? Um, a very aggressive guy at the end of a concert who didn't want to leave the arena. And he was, um, yeah, he was sitting and I was just like, okay, sir, you, like, you need to leave now. Everything, everybody has left and he didn't want to. And he actually pushed me down the stairs. Wow. <laughs> wow. So it, it's okay. I was fine. Like I landed okay. But then thankfully, like all my colleagues just arrived and then removed him from the arena. Gosh. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, that could have been, you know, you you landed well, but that could have gone yeah. in another way. Been. So yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad that it didn't. I mean, you you just you at this point you're looking to uh to get into to falling and, and landing properly as uh, as wrestling yes. training is calling. Wrestling saved my life. <laughs> Wrestling, yeah, yeah. You, learn, you learn how to fall properly. 
because because obviously people will know you Artemis, as as an official and you work a lot as as a referee now um was the was that always something that you you considered doing or at the earliest point was it always going to be to follow in the shoes of lita and to become a wrestler it was becoming a wrestler mm. uh, and also at that time so that was 14 years ago that I went to my first training station. And at the time, there was no female referee around. So there was no female referee on TV. Uh, there was no female referee in Europe. There was like no representation. So in my mind, that wasn't even an option. I, I didn't know that was possible, like to make it to WWE or stuff like that. So yeah, I started as a wrestler because I wanted to be a wrestler. And then maybe a couple of years in, like very early on, I um, very badly injured my shoulder and I couldn't, couldn't continue wrestling. Uh, and I really wanted to stay in the ring. So there was no other option. I had to be the third man or the third person. Talk to us about that injury that, that changed everything. Um, well, it happened during a match. I don't know exactly what went wrong, but it was um, in a, a norm lock or something. And my shoulder, I guess, dislocated. But I didn't realize, like, I realized I was injured straight away. But I kept going on with the adrenaline and stuff. And I when I came back backstage, I was like, okay, it really hurts. And I drove to the ER and I was in more and more pain. And they did an x-ray, didn't find anything. They were like, okay, um, you probably sprained your shoulder. I was like, okay, um, it really hurts. But if you say it's just a sprain, then I'm going to like man up and be okay. And the pain wouldn't go away, uh, but I kept wrestling. Um, and I saw different doctors. They all gave me different diagnoses, like tendonitis, sprained shoulder and stuff. And after a year, I went to a specialized clinic. They did an x-ray in like several different positions. And they saw that I actually broke a piece of bone the year before. So I kept wrestling for a year with a broken shoulder, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and because of that, my shoulder was so badly damaged that I had to stop. Like there was no, I can't recover from that. How, um, when, when you realized that, when, the, when the, the penny dropped that you weren't going to wrestle again, what was that like? I was devastated. Uh, so I was 21 at the time when I had surgery and the surgeon said like, you know, like you can't wrestle anymore. You, like even said, you can't do sports anymore. And I was like, wow, okay, sports is all my life. I've been doing martial arts since I was four. Like there's no way I can stop. Um, so it was really hard at first. And then I decided to be sensible and accept I was going to stop wrestling. But I found a way to keep doing sports and I just know my limits what I can do, what I can't do. And obviously I do a lot of rehab still today. Like I had surgery when I'm in 2011, 2022, I still do rehab work on my shoulder. Um, Will that um, be something you think you'll be doing forever? Yeah. Just always, because, because, you, because you're so keen to continue to, to do sports and be active that you'll just always need to keep checking that shoulder and making sure that it doesn't get any worse, I presume. Mm, yeah. And as soon as I lose muscle and I stop working out, because it's been the case when I've been very unwell for a few years and I couldn't go to the gym anymore. 
when I lose that muscle, the shoulder starts dislocating again. So that's a, so the, the, the fitness thing's a big part of it, isn't it? Because yeah. keeping that in good shape is what helps keep you in good shape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have to go to the gym. <laughs> you have to go. You have to go and you have to do it. Um, but you've got a nice gym setup at home, I believe. Oh, like I said, it looks incredible. Like, because yeah. where you, because I don't want to give, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to give a postcode or anything. You're not going to get doxxed. But like when you, you show pictures online of, of your home, it's this beautiful sort of thatched home. And you've got this, this converted, it looks like a converted attic, which has become a gym. And it's, it's when, when putting that in, does it, is it, is it easier to have a home gym? Or is it easier to have a gym away from home? I asked that because I wonder whether the temptation would be there to not do a workout if the gym is like just up the stairs. Is no, it... I see what you mean. Yeah, uh, I actually prefer to have it at home because then I can do every any exercise I want and I don't have to wait for mm. someone to... Uh, be done with the rack so I can go in the rack and squats or done with the bench or done with the dumbbells I like it I like it. I can play my own music because like I don't like the commercial music gyms so I can just blast metal do my workout and my cat keeps me company now Simone uh, is like he's here <laughs> <laughs> I saw Simone discovered the attic recently so there's this, yes. this beautiful picture of a kitten just covered in cobwebs yeah, exactly. This is amazing. <laughs> Another room. This is the best day of my life. You yeah. had to, did you work out this morning? No, I didn't. I've, I've had a full day of work, so I haven't worked out yet. I'm hoping to work out after uh, we're done talking. Right. What will be on your playlist when you work out later? Ooh. Mm. Whitechapel, maybe? Nice. Do you know the band? I know. I Are you into metal as well? A little bit into metal. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a full-on metalhead. But Whitechapel, I'm familiar with some of their stuff. Is it one of their newer albums? Um, I don't know. I just have a playlist with all the songs. I don't know which one belongs to which album. Um, right. Because you know names again. <laughs> so to, to to dip back to it, um, you've you, you shoulders injured. Your shoulders injured. You're told never do sports again, let alone wrestle again. And you were also at this point where, as you said, there aren't female referees. That's just not a thing. It's strange to me. Like I've been watching wrestling for most of my life and like in like 30 odd years, I've not seen any or any until recently. Like I seems mm. like a relatively recent thing to see more female referees, which is amazing, but I'm amazed it's taken so long. Um, when was the conversation well, who, and who had that conversation with you about becoming a referee? Um, I talked to my um, training school at the time and I was like, okay, can I, can I ref? But I wasn't thinking about the female referee thing. I just wanted to referee a match and see uh, how it felt. Uh, I wasn't like, okay, I'm going to be a female referee. I just wanted to be a referee. Like gender didn't matter. Um, so I started out, it went well. And then I started having more and more bookings in France. Uh, more than I had as a wrestler, actually. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, but also, like, I didn't train for that long, so I was probably a very, very bad wrestler. <laughs> I'm a much better referee. Um, Do you think but... so? Do you think that, you know, that you... you Did you get feedback on your wrestling? Uh, not that much, to be honest. 
Okay, just curious because you said like, oh, I'm a better referee than a wrestler, and I was intrigued. Oh no, it's just like me having watched my own matches. I'm like, oh no, no, no. with you. (laughs) But so, so you, so you would approach them about being a referee. Sorry. Did you? So, so was it you that started the conversation about becoming a referee? And um, yeah, because like the 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 promoter was more like, oh, do you want to be the 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 host of the show or be on commentary i was like no i want to be in the ring so mm. can i be a referee <laughs> i started out this way um and then as i said a few shows in france uh, in spain and then in 2014 after i graduated um i thought that was the perfect time to move to the uk because i know the wrestling scene was much much bigger oh and actually in 2012 i did something that was called the british open trials uh in where was that maybe south london or something or kent have you heard of this i've heard of it this wasn't this was the wwe thing wasn't it no 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 it was just i think it was uh, at the time ipw uk running it so oh, they right in, yes they brought in lots of different promoters from all over um the uk i guess so there was this table with all the promoters and then just the ring and we just came in like it was open to the wrestlers and uh, the referees. So I just flew myself into London, uh, refereed, I don't know, a couple of matches maybe. And then IPW UK offered me a spot as referee. And he said, like, I can't uh, fly you in every time, but if you ever live in the UK, uh, then you will be one of my referees. So I remember that. So when I graduated, ah. I moved to the UK, started working for IPW UK, and then loads of other promotions like Eve, uh, who was there, WrestleForce, Bellatrix, um, yeah, all of it really. So all of a sudden, you're you're picking up business left, right, and centre. Because was there when you went to the the Open Trials, sort of compared to how many people were going there as wrestlers, how many were going as referees? Uh, I can't remember exactly. I remember Tom Scarborough being there. And it's funny because like we both ended up in WWE, which was which is amazing. Um, Chris Roberts was actually doing a seminar just before the trial. Uh, I remember, I don't know, maybe a couple of other referees, something like that. So not not as many in, compared to the wrestlers. Then. No, no. Which I think I think if you're if you're getting into that world it's whilst you have to still be excellent at it which you are um there is the 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 field isn't as competitive would you say or would you say it was in in its own way more competitive Mm, there aren't many spots because promotions often will only book one referee per show two max so you only have one or two spots per show um and you obviously have several referees in the area um so i think it's probably the same yeah i think oh yeah of course because you'll get some shows that will use one referee throughout the whole night um you you mentioned tom scarborough there um there's a great photo uh, and i'm intrigued to know the story behind it of you tom scarborough and vince russo oh my god (laughs) and i'm intrigued to know how the stars aligned to have that particular triple threat of referees on an evening oh yeah Oh, it was great. Um, I can't remember exactly what the storyline was, but it was for IPW UK. And I know they brought in Vince Russo. Uh, he was involved in the storyline and then they had him referee a match, um, probably as a heel referee. 
Um, and then I became a heel referee as well. Uh, and I became um, part of the Vinci Russo gang. Um, and then I, then I just became a manager of Valet. I was just, I wasn't refereeing anymore for IPW UK. I was just a character, I guess. And it's, yeah, so instead of refereeing, you became, as you say, a valet, a character around the... Uh, did you yeah. miss refereeing? Or were you quite happy for well, a little change of pace? Um, I was just doing that for them. I was still refereeing for other promotions, but it was really nice to, yeah, have a bit of change and be a heel. I love being a heel. When I was wrestling, I was a heel, obviously. So, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was nice to be booed by the crowd. It, it was cool. It's it's there is something deeply satisfying about a whole a whole room of people hating you yeah. as a wrestler. <laughs> it's yeah. just it's so strange because I've only experienced it a couple of times playing a heel manager. But there's something quite satisfying about a whole room of people booing you. Yeah, it means you do your job well. I, I guess I guess that's what it is. I want people to hate me. I've made them hate me. <laughs> Mission accomplished. So once you got into the the world of, refer of 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 officiating matches and stuff, was there some what what surprised you about the process of refereeing? Once you stepped in and went, I'll you know I'll I want to get into this. When you started doing it, what surprised you about that job as a as part of a wrestling show? Mm, to be honest, it was more when I started working for WWE. And I saw the difference between a WWE referee and an indie referee and all the things, um, all the extra jobs they have to do, like being a runner, uh, taking care of the ring, uh, can be like time um, producing as well. So it was more then that I was surprised with like all the aspects of the jobs. So it's yeah. Once you kind of got to that level, it was a case of suddenly there's a there's a lot more to think about here and a lot more to to consider yeah. where you are and stuff like that. I want to get into uh, your time with NXT UK, but we've got to pick your second match first of all, okay. Artemis. So uh, we had Lita and Trish from yeah. Raw in two thousand and four. What would you like your second one to be? So it's still a women's match. It's from WrestleMania thirty seven, and it's Sasha and Bianca. Nice. So this because was what a match. Night one, WrestleMania night one main event. Yeah. Uh, this was the the first time we'd seen crowds back at a wrestling show since, yeah. uh, since, since goodness knows, since about yeah, since the year before, and they absolutely tore it up. They had an amazing main event. Um, so where, much emotion in that match. Where um, where were you when you watched that? I was just at home, and I watched it the day. We after because I never watch pay-per-views live because I like my sleep so <laughs> I just turn off my internet on my phone because I don't want to see any spoilers and then as soon as I wake up the day after I'll just put the network on and I watch the show and then I put my internet back on on my phone <laughs> You do well. And uh, do you know what? It's, it's so many people don't do that. Like so many people just sort of refuse to to avoid spoilers and then get annoyed when people yeah. talk about it. And it's just come on now. Like we've we've had it where we've put out um, news about a wrestling show that happened a few hours before and people get angry with us. It's like, well, do what Artemis does. Turn off yeah. your Internet and watch it the next day. 
difficult. So frustrating. I, I hate spoilers. So I did the same with Peaky Blinders because like Peaky Blinders came out in France when I was isolating with COVID and we wanted to watch it together with my mom. So I had to wait for a week so that we could be in the living room together to watch it. So I tried to avoid Twitter as much as I could because I didn't want to see any spoilers. <laughs> That was it was that was tough one as well because everybody was talking about yeah. the last series of Peaky Blinders. You did well to avoid it. What did you make of the last series of Peaky Blinders, by the way? You know what? I didn't like it as much as the other seasons. And what? I couldn't really tell you why. Hmm. I don't know, maybe because Polly wasn't there anymore and she was such an important character in the series. Yeah, she was um, Yeah. And I don't know, it was really it was really sad, like the beginning. Right near the end, it was when we thought like we were about to see him, like you know, yeah. I, I think we're I think we're allowed to talk about it now because it's been it's been uh, nearly nearly a year. Um, when <laughs> when when we thought when we thought Tommy Shelby was gonna die, yeah. and and li- li- right up to like the dying moments of the of the show, where it's like okay, maybe there's they're keeping something open for for down the road. But it was I I really love the show. I'd like to see something, even if it's just a spin off. A little more. Isn't there talk of a movie actually? Now I'm saying that. Pretty yeah, sure they talk about Peaky Blinders movie. Yeah, I've heard that as well. That would be amazing. That'd I would watch it for sure. Definitely. But uh, almost as amazing as Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair from WrestleMania, yes. which is your second yes. match. Um, <laughs> is there a moment from that match that you that you can recall that you remember just absolutely that just has your heart that you loved? Um, yeah. So I think at at one point Sasha dives out. Bianca is already out of the ring and she just catches her, rolls, presses her overhead, walks up the stairs and launches her in the ring. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Bianca is just so, <laughs> so strong, so amazing. Just that amazing. That is the spot I think a lot of people call back to, which is catching it. It's that and the hair whip right near the end. Yeah. Where you've got that thunderclap across the stadium mm-hmm. as, the, as, the, as the hair hits Sasha. Um, as a as somebody by this point who is uh, more than a hundred percent qualified as a as a WWE official, do you find that you watch the referees as much as you watch the wrestlers? Yes, yes. What is it that you look at and look for? I look at like how they move, how they react, what they say as well. Especially as uh, English is not my native language. So I'm always um, looking at sentences to say, otherwise I always go back to the same things like, get out of the corner, get out of the corner. So I'm trying to pick up what they say, how they say it, so I can write it down and remember it. Um, And how they pass on messages as well. Because that's something like, you need to be very discreet about it. And every ref has their own style. So I'm looking at all of that to improve my own practice. Who are some of the referees that you watch that you really admire? Uh, Kyoda and Scott Armstrong. I, yeah. I mean, obviously Charles Robinson, but Charles Robinson can be very flamboyant at times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and for what we are asked to do now, we, we, we can't be Charles. Charles is Charles, but we can't really be like him. We need to tone it down a bit. Hmm. Um, but yeah, Mike Yoda and Scott Armstrong are—they're the, yeah, they're the top, they're the top ones, yeah. aren't they? They're just the guys. What, how did it come to pass then that 
you, you you're doing stuff for IPW UK and you're you're all over the place on the independent scene. Uh, how did you come to get involved with NXT UK? Um, so it was really weird, and I guess that was fate because I actually retired from wrestling refereeing in 2016 uh, because I was really really unwell. I didn't know what I had at the time. It took me a few years to get a diagnosis, which was actually endometriosis, but I didn't know at the time. I was just in pain all the time, really, really tired. And in 2018, I had surgery. And uh, it took me like a good three months to recover and like start to walk properly and stuff. Um, and I wasn't even thinking about getting back into wrestling at the time. I, I just wanted to get my life back and like mm. live a pain-free free life um, and I went to a concert like a Parkway Drive concert and I bumped into a referee that uh, told me oh I just got sent to AW and AW hadn't even been announced yet wow. and I was like oh my gosh like I'm really happy for you like what is it obviously and then oh I'm really happy for you and then I thought oh you know what I'm going to go back on Facebook because I had deactivated my Facebook uh, in 2016 because it was just too painful for me to see wrestling anymore so I stopped watching it I stopped everything deactivated my social media went back on Facebook two days after I had a message on messenger from a NXT UK producer asking me if uh, I was still living in the UK if I was still refereeing if, if I wanted to come for a tryout I was like wow <laughs> what's happening well so they saw that you're back online and they reached out to you i guess but i don't know how they did because i didn't post anything like i don't remember posting anything but so i guess i had been on their radar hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When did you actually get to go face-to-face -face and go meet people at WWE? Um, so I think the concert was in January. They invited me for uh, to a tryout in March, but I hadn't had my six months um, surgery review yet. So they invited me back in April. And so I was invited to the full training week and then two days of taping in Glasgow. Uh, so I arrived at the hotel. 
uh, didn't actually see anyone. And the day after, everybody was at breakfast, and I saw I saw a lot of faces that I hadn't seen for like three years or more. It was just uh, so many emotions. And then I arrived at the PC. You just arrived. You've got the rings. You've got the WWE logos, NXT UK. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm here! <laughs> wow. So did, was it a surprise to a lot of other people? Because there would have been people that you would have bumped into and worked with around the UK who assumed that you were retired. Yeah. So that must have been a lovely surprise for them as well as for you to see them. Yeah. And nobody knew apart from Tom Scarborough because we both went to uh, a friend's birthday uh, just before the April camp. So I told him, well, I'm coming in next week. And he actually went for a tryout like in March. So we could have had our tryout together, uh, but mine was delayed because of the surgery process. Um, but so, so yeah, if you, a little while later though, you're in. So you've, I mean, I mean, how were you feeling post-surgery, uh, post-endometriosis surgery? Were you, were you feeling well enough to, to really go for it? Or were you a little bit anxious or did, um, how was... were you feeling? Yeah, I was super anxious because it took me three months to mo- to walk again after the surgery because it was like it was it was really bad. <laughs> um, and then for the three months between the time I walked again and the tryout, I only had like a very limited time to uh, get a bit of cardio in, a bit of muscle in because I I lost ten kilos post surgery, uh, wow. so I was, I was I was really weak and. And rusty, like the ring rust was real. It came back in the ring after three years. I was just, oh, I was in so much pain. I had bruises everywhere. I was so tired. Because <laughs> you haven't done it in so long. It's just reminding your body of what you've got to go through. Mm. So when, um, how long is it until you're realizing just how different WWE officials work compared to uh, independent officials? Uh, straight away yeah because like you know you have to be the first one in the building and the last one to leave uh, so you arrive you take care of the ring tighten the ropes if anybody needs anything you take care of it uh davy who's the davy Coates, who's uh, such a good person and he's the floor manager at nxt uk so he takes care of the performance center and uh when we've got shows so if he needs anything doing help with anything like i don't know setting up a table for a shoot or gimmicking a chair or something like we're here to help um, and then obviously being in the ring uh to uh, referee any matches any drill they're doing uh, get your um your workout session in as well because you need to be fit to ref <laughs> and then at the end of the day obviously take care of the ring loosen the ropes um, and then go home or go to the hotel in that case so it's a long day then for yeah. for i think if people don't really see this part of it i think they just see that wwe officials just referee a match and then that's it but you're you're putting you're putting the ring up you're you're running sort of errands and helping out the the technical side of it and then at the end of the night you're taking everything down again um how many of you are working on putting all that together uh we're four four people doing all that four yeah four referees well it's a team of four now I don't know, since I left, they haven't really replaced me. So they're, they've got uh, US refs flying in for every taping, from what I can understand. So it's always four, at least. Um, 
when everything shut down, so you were with NXT sort of so as were you were you there pre pandemic? I was yes. trying to recall. Yeah. So when when everything stopped, and we sort of realized actually the, the world's going to go weird for a year or two. What was sort of communication like between you and WWE? Were you were they in touch quite a lot? Or was it a case of just we'll call you when we need you? No, so the first thing that happened to me, um, I was supposed to go to the US to NXT. Uh, so we came back from a taping, I think it was maybe York or Hull, or last taping, I don't know, I can't remember which one. I think York might be the last, I think I was at the York one. And yeah. I, yeah, so I think York might have been the last one. So that was the last one I was supposed to go home for five days and then fly to the US on the Sunday. And on Friday, they closed the borders. Like you couldn't fly to the US anymore. So I was devastated because <laughs> I was just so happy to be able to go there. Um, but yeah, we kept in touch. Um, and then they organized uh, what we call skull sessions where we just analyze matches. We watch matches with a coach, we analyze it. And they organized it uh, once or twice a week during the whole pandemic. Uh, just on Skype. Um, so we kept in touch that way. And then we had a meeting, um, I can't remember, maybe end of July or beginning of August 2020 with Triple H, who said, okay, we're going to do a taping end of August. So it was yeah. Triple H that led that yes. meeting then. Yeah. yeah. How, how, um, how hands-on in your experience once everything got back and because by then you were doing stuff at the BT Sport studios, weren't you? Yeah. So how, how, because how, because we've heard stories about obviously how Triple H takes a lot of pride in NXT UK and we heard stuff about Shawn Michaels being quite heavily involved from a, from a geographical distance. Um, but how involved were Triple H and Shawn Michaels whilst you were part of NXT UK? Very involved. Usually, uh, so Shawn Michaels and Matt Bloom were flying in every taping and usually Triple H would fly in for the takeovers. And then after, like during the pandemic, when we started recording in BT Studio, uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, sometimes Triple H and Coach Bloom were on the headset in the US and they were just connected to us in London. So they're just like, they're really involved. It's their brand. <laughs> That's, that must have been an unusual one to work on that show and kind of have these disembodied voices just sort of guiding the show from America. Yeah. And like for us referees, it was really hard at first because obviously we've got the earpiece and we get information from everybody. But because they were in the US and we had people in the UK, sometimes if people were talking uh, at the same time, we just we couldn't hear anything. All the all the, the, I don't know, the signals went crazy. And it was like, oh, I don't know what you're trying to tell to, to, tell, to, me, to tell me. <laughs> so you'd have somebody advising you in the UK um, and then in your ear, would you have, would you say you'd have Triple H or Shawn Michaels or Matt Bloom in your ear as well? Yes. So you'd have somebody in like just over the, across the room from you, giving you some guidance. But then you'd also be hearing people in America in your ear at the same time. Yeah. Wow, I'd struggle. <laughs> I just, yeah. I'd have you a, I'd have a meltdown. I tell you, I'd have a meltdown. Yeah. I struggle with that. Um, did you, with Triple H being so heavily involved, we hear stories of like how uh, he he was very p 
personable with talent as well. Did you ever have any conversations uh, one-on-one with, with Triple H or Shawn Michaels or Matt Bloom? Uh, Triple H, not that much. I met him at TakeOver Blackpool 2. Uh, it was just a short, hi, I'm Artemis, nice to meet you. I'm, I'm a new referee here, blah, blah, blah. And that was it. Um, Sean and Matt a bit more because they were just, they're just constantly in our ear. So usually after your match, you just come to them for feedback, um, stuff like that. But because of the pandemic, like I didn't have many, many shows pre-pandemic. So I didn't really have time to build that relationship with them. And then obviously, uh, because they were in the US talking to us, we would just receive them in our ear and couldn't really talk back. And obviously you can't talk after the show because all the wires, um, all the signals stop. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a shame because I, I would have liked to interact with them a bit more. Mm. But it is what it is. Um, would, was there any more conversation, as you said, like before the world shut down, you were like days away from going over to America to work on NXT. Mm. Uh, did When everything came back, did those conversations continue? Um, I asked again, like if I could go, but the borders uh, remained shut for a long time, a very long time. Um, and after that, it was more a case of, okay, we're going to send uh, a US referee to you guys in London to um, train you a bit more stuff like that. It was more, yeah, it was more that. They weren't talking about bringing any of us uh, referees at least uh, back to the US. So they would send a uh, they would send a um, a US referee to come and work with you. Yeah, which unfortunately hasn't happened uh, when I was there. But I know now there's been a a couple of guys from the US that went to London recently. Uh, you uh, uh, the the reason that we're talking is a short while ago you kind of announced to the world that art is back and uh, you're you're now a former WWE referee uh, are you are you happy to talk about sort of what happened as to what what happened what that led to you leaving sure um i'm going to be very blunt and very honest the pay the pay is a big issue hmm. um like i've never earned as little money as i did in WWE which i never thought i would say that because I thought like that was going to be my full-time job and that was going to be it it was great um I like I took a massive pay cut from being a teacher to being a referee which is weird considering you're on tv every week uh in several countries um so uh during my two years under contract because uh, I did almost a year without a contract and then two years contracted I offered to do other jobs uh, to help and also to increase the pay. Uh, but I got told there was nothing. And then in uh, just before my contract expired, they offered me a new two-year contract. And when I asked what the pay was going to be, they said it was going to be the same. So I said, like, I can't do it. Uh, I've got a mortgage. I need to take care of my mom. I can't stay on that little money. And it's a shame, um, but I need, to, I need to take care of my family, basically. Uh, so they extended my contract for two months, hoping to be able to negotiate. And then they came back to me. I was supposed to do one last camp in April, end of April. 
And they called me just a few days before to tell me, okay, so you don't want to accept that contract. We've got nothing better for you. So there's no need for you to come next week. And I thought that was really shitty, pardon my language. Uh... But because then I had already told the wrestlers and my crew, my, my friends, my family, my referees that it was highly likely that I wasn't going to renew my contract. But we all knew we had one last camp to spend together uh, properly say goodbye to each other, enjoy each other's one last time. And also, I was on 96 WWE matches. So one last camp would have brought me to 100 at least. And I'm a bit OCD with numbers, so I'm like, I'm really annoyed. <laughs> but it could have been, it could have been worse because they could have given you five matches, and then you've been on 101. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to go to another 99 now. Like, <laughs> so there's that. That is, yeah. That I mean. Uh, you hear of things like that in business where they go, look, we're not going to get anywhere any further in terms of negotiation. So I tell you what, we're going to cut your losses as well as ours. Don't don't come in. And and it's it is it is shitty, as you say. Were there ever and I, you know, I, I, if you can't speak for others, then that's totally fine. Do you think there are others within the NXT UK system that are asking similar questions as you did? in saying that, can I afford to do this? Yes. Do you see that as something that might change? I don't know where the brand is going. Before the pandemic, I know they wanted to expand. I know they wanted to do these tours, like go to Paris, Berlin, Madrid, everything, which would have been great. Now, with like all the NXT 2.0, all the rebranding, I, I have no idea. And also the fact that they didn't replace me and they're flying in a ref from the US every time. I'm thinking that's maybe not going to change. Was there a particular moment, a match that you had in NXT UK that you will always look back on and smile? Well, it was actually the third match I picked for oh let's, well let's do let's let's yeah. roll into that then it's like it's we haven't rehearsed this we haven't no, rehearsed this perfect transition. first time meeting it's perfect so give us your third match and your favorite moment from nxt uk okay so it was my first wwe title match ah yes. yes so big moment it was when jordan devlin was the the nxt cruiserweight champion and he faced Oliver Carter. No. So that was my first WWE match. Uh, I was so stressed, so stressed. Like you can, you can actually see it when I raise the title, I've got like this massive vein in my neck that's about <laughs> to explode because like, I, I can't breathe. I'm out of breath, I'm all red. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I hope the title is not upside down. All the, all the stupid stuff. Um, why, why, when did that, why was it, was it because it was your first title match for the WWE and that was, there was a, is there a different pressure that comes with that? Yeah, because it was, I guess it was one of the first bigger match I was uh, being given because that was in 2020. Hmm. Uh, so I thought, okay, if I mess this up, uh, I'm not going to have any more opportunity for a while. I will need to prove myself again and again and again until I get another shot at a main event or a title match. So I was very stressed about that. Um, and also I wanted to do well for the guys as well. I didn't want to mess up their match, uh, but it, it went really well. It was, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk us through the day uh, of, of that match. So you get to the venue and you're, 
you know you're do you know that you're doing that match when you get there um yes so chris sharp is our uh head ref so he usually has the list of the matches the day before and he assigns the matches and usually uh well during COVID, we would call each other on messenger or something so we could see each other uh or after that we would have a meeting and he would give us the matches so i knew i knew i had that match so i probably didn't really slept that night <laughs> but that's because you're passionate about it and you're like i want to make yeah. sure this is a great opportunity for me to shine in it what was uh do you do you remember much of the match um i actually watched it again because like i was like okay i picked it for my list so i have to watch it again um so yeah it was it was actually it was a short match to be honest um but it, yeah, it was a good match we're all our own worst critics with stuff yeah. Did, how are you with watching back like your matches uh, i'm much better now but if you ask me to watch a match from uh before 2020 whether it's on the indies or 2019 wwe I'm going to hate it and be like, oh, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. Because <laughs> I can see I've improved so much that now it's hard to see like the old matches where I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Like, why would I say that? Why would I move this way? Or, oh, I'm blocking the camera. Um, so yeah, I can see all the all the mistakes. And you can you yeah you get a vibe for what to what you do differently now compared to yeah. Oh, yeah. what you do back then um it's a great third match to choose because i think it's and that's the whole thing i like about doing this is that not i you know a lot of people think oh do i pick the best wrestling matches like, no they're matches that have special significance to you and jordan devlin versus oliver carter might not jump i don't think i don't know whether i'll have that match again uh, on this show and i love the fact that it's you that's doing it because it was the match that you officiated and and it was the first WWE title match that you called, and and there's a special special interest there. Did you get any feedback after that match? Was there any discussion about how you did? Yeah, you always have feedback feedback. Sorry, after the matches, uh, overall it went well. And then there's always a few details about how you can do stuff differently, uh, but overall good feedback. That's nice. To hear. That's nice to hear. Um, you're now back on the circuit. Obviously, you've been. Uh, unwell with COVID, uh, so it hasn't quite. You know, the, the 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 comeback trail has been slightly halted, but it's only a it's only a temporary yeah. setback. Only a temporary setback. Um, what are you like? You're you're going back into this, like so. Two thousand and it was like two thousand and sixteen that you retired. Yes, you say so. You know, you how is Artemis in twenty twenty two as an independent official different to Artemis in twenty sixteen as an independent official? Oh, well, first of all, I'm a much better referee, that's for sure, because the training in WWL forever be grateful for, because it was, it was, that was the, the best. And I, think, and I think that's worth pointing out as well. I think, I know yeah. we talked about like, you know, how you left NXT UK and the reasons why, but I think that, that I get from you, there's a, there's a real, there's a gratitude for, you know, the chance to go and do that and, and live out yeah. that, that chance. And, you know, you know, I always like to make sure that that's never understated that that was the case, right? You go with nothing but love. Yeah, I'm not ungrateful for them. It's just, it, it's a shame it ended up that way, but I had a good time nevertheless. Uh, so yeah, so I'm really happy to have my freedom back because I can work for anybody now, which wasn't the case when I was under contract. Um, 
So I'm I like I've got this list of promotions where I would like to work. Ideally, I would like to work in every country in Europe. So <laughs> I was I was going to add Spain to the list, but unfortunately, I got COVID and couldn't um, couldn't go there. Uh, but hopefully, they call me back so we can do it another time. Um, and I would very much like to go to the US because that didn't happen in 2020. So I would like to go there, um, not necessarily for a contract, but to do it at to, least once. To say that you went and refereed in America for a yeah. US company. Yeah. Uh, Spain. I mean, I mean, I, I'm I'm fingers crossed for for Spain uh, once again because I know you missed that one because of COVID. Um, Wednesday and. If people are listening to this now, they work in companies in Europe, they work in companies in America, and they want to get to know you, they want to find out more about you, where can they reach out to you? Uh, they can contact me on social media. They will probably end up in my spam folder, but I try to have a look at them every now and then, just like your, your message ended up in my spam folder. <laughs> a likely story. <laughs> uh, say I'm... if you wanted to ignore me, it's fine. <laughs> No, I do check them. And I think I probably have my email address on my profile somewhere. So you can you can send me an email and I will respond to that. Let's, uh, I want to end with one more question before I, I let you go. Uh, it's been lovely to chat to you and get to know you and find out your story. And and, um, and here's to exciting times ahead. But I always like to end on this. Uh, let's go back. Let's wind the clock back. Uh, red-headed drummer Artemis. Yes. Uh, is, uh, is, 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 preparing to maybe become a drummer maybe become a sports athlete you know you know she's you know getting getting another belt under her in martial arts and uh she puts the tv on and there she sees lisa versus trish stratus from raw in 2004 and suddenly that light bulb goes off in her head that oh maybe wrestling if you could go back in time with all the knowledge that you have now and go back and see artemis in that moment all those years ago what advice would you give to yourself going forward? Stay true to yourself. Never give up. It's going to be hard, but you will make it. That's too wholesome to not leave it on. I think that's that's too, <laughs> too wholesome to not leave it on. Uh, Artemis, it has been a pleasure. Please give Simone some pets from us at Cold to Holly. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> 
for all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes. Search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.